Hey y'all, before we begin, I want to make sure you know about my live parent workshops. One Friday a month, I host a live virtual parent workshop on topics related to raising neurodivergent kids and teens. We cover topics like how to talk to your child about their diagnosis, how to support negative self-talk, and navigating school for your child. You can register for workshops one at a time, or you can become an all-access subscriber on Substack for instant access to all the workshops and replays. To browse the workshop library and subscribe, go to learnwithdremily.substack.com and click Parent Workshops. Hey y'all, before we begin, if you're a school administrator who loves watching your teachers and students thrive, but you feel your staff needs more training to meet the needs of such a diverse group of learners, I am here for you. I am now offering professional development for pre-K through 8th grade educators, both in-person and virtually. For more information about pricing and scheduling, go to learnwithdremily.com schools to get started. Welcome to Learn with Dr. Emily, the podcast where parents and teachers come together for neurodivergent youth. I'm your host, Dr. Emily King, child psychologist and former school psychologist, and I am on a mission to help everyone understand that nurturing neurodivergent children isn't about changing them, but about changing us. Each week, I share my thoughts on topics related to child development, mental health, parenting, education, and parent-teacher collaboration. You can read more on my Substack at learnwithdremily.substack.com or listen here. So let's get started with today's topic. Today, I'm gonna be talking all about what parents who are raising neurodivergent kids worry about. If you've been following me for a while now, you know that I have been on both sides of the diagnostic feedback session. I've been the psychologist reviewing evaluation results with parents, and I've been the parent on the receiving end of evaluation data that confirms what I already knew was unfolding before my eyes. As a parent, I remember feeling overwhelmed and scared. I've always been curious about why I felt scared, and that drives me to keep talking about this stigma we have about raising kids with disabilities. As a psychologist, I've seen parents process the news that their child needs something different to succeed in many different ways. It can be such an emotional experience for some, while others jump right in and embrace the journey. So why do parents have such a range of emotions? I believe we are in the middle of a cultural shift in how we view raising children with disabilities. Because of the stigma of disabilities when we were growing up in the 1980s and 1990s, I think parents can struggle to shift their mindset from being fearful of the outcomes for their child, even if all we want to do is break down barriers to help the world understand and celebrate our kid. So while we forge ahead to find the best therapists, teachers, and social circles to help our children feel understood and included, I know that we still worry about some of the outcomes for our kids. Our worries are not about what college they're going to go to or if they're going to be good at a sport. We worry about much more basic things like, will my child be able to attend school today without becoming overwhelmed by their anxiety? Or, Will we ever be able to find a group of peers that share my child's interests? So today I'm going to be sharing common worries I've heard from parents raising neurodivergent kids and teens over the years, and some of these are my own. I want all of you to know that you're not alone. So here are some of the common worries about raising neurodivergent kids that I have heard over the last 20 years. 
Number one, I worry that my child will never fill in the blank of lagging skill, never talk, never be able to have a reciprocal conversation, never be able to transition without a meltdown, could be any anything that your child is struggling with. So remember back when you took your baby for checkups at the pediatrician's office, you may remember getting information from your pediatrician on the milestones your child should be reaching at certain ages. At some point along the way, your child's development didn't match up with those milestones. Some neurodivergent kids develop skills sooner than expected, like a child teaching themselves to read at age three, or some might develop later, like not being able to have a back and forth conversation until age six. Or maybe you researched some of the milestones on your own and began to feel a little uneasy when you didn't see your child showing these skills alongside other kids at the park or the playground. Some parents experience some denial at this point of realization that something is different about my kid's development. Denial actually helps us process highly emotional information piece by piece, yet we don't want to get stuck in this place of denial because our inaction could actually get in the way of our child getting help. So I work with lots of families who move forward with the help, but then also continue to struggle kind of in the background of processing, accepting, embracing their child. Once you've accepted that your child is developing on their own time frame, it can feel freeing to just embrace who they are, where they are, and what they're into. Still, the lack of knowing what comes next continues to feel overwhelming to many parents. Furthermore, when children are in their preschool years, parents get probably the most guidance because research is so clear about the strong benefits of early intervention. While getting started with therapies before age five can make a huge difference, the progress doesn't stop there. I've seen so many kids make tons of progress later in their childhood and their teen years. On my own parenting journey, I just try to stay focused on one school year at a time. Sometimes there's a new interest to nurture something or a new skill that we need to work on will emerge, so we just pivot to that. But staying present and following the lead of my clients over the years and my own child has never let me down. Okay, so here's the next right thing I usually say for parents to do. Just keep showing up. Keep showing up for your child so you can nurture their interests and support their skills as they grow. I know the fear of the unknown gets to us at times. But the unknown path allows for exploration, too. And also, it can surprise us with unexpected milestones we would have taken for granted had our kid not, in fact, been our kid. All right, number two, you might worry that you will never be able to learn enough to help your child. Okay, I know it sometimes feels like you need a graduate degree in child psychology to parent your child. However, I have one of those. And I can confirm for you that most of the things I learned in graduate school did not prepare me for parenting my neurodivergent child. While I had lots of knowledge about child development, how we process stress in our brain, how connection must heal us first before correction can work, this knowledge did not save me from experiencing the emotional dysregulation that comes with trying to help a child. I'm very much able to stay regulated when I help my clients, but when it's my own child, that's where it's harder to stay regulated. 
And the reason is because our fear spikes much more with our own children than it does when we're working with someone professionally. So if you're an educator or you work with kids in another capacity, you may have felt this, or you just may be feeling like, yes, I can stay so regulated at work, but then I come home and it's so much harder to stay regulated. So this is one of the things that I talk to parents a lot about because our ability to stay mentally well and work on our own strategies for emotional regulation is where we have to start. I want to say hi to all the teachers out there learning with me. Thank you so much for being an educator. I see you and appreciate you and how you keep showing up for our students every single day. In my work as a school psychologist, I know that it helps to have a way to stay organized when thinking about your students' needs. That's why I created two free resources for you. The regulation roster helps you notice how your students seek emotional regulation and keep track of it. And the reframing behavior worksheet helps you problem solve emotional dysregulation when it happens. For these free downloads, go to learnwithdremily.com slash roster or learnwithdremily.com slash reframing behavior to get started. Supporting our child while they experience stress of transitions, sensory overwhelm, and situations is something you just have to learn by doing. So that's why I'm so passionate about sharing our stories with each other. Not one strategy is going to work for every child and family because not one brain is the same. So that's why I created my Parenting on Your Own Path online course that comes out this week. There's lots of information out there for parents on what to do, but I want to help you feel confident in how to do it, how to support and nurture your child on this unique path that you're walking on together. Okay, so the next right thing for this topic of feeling like you don't know enough is just to start with learning more about co-regulation. So if you haven't already, read more about co-regulation, and you can head over to my Substack this week and grab the link that I list in there to start reading um, what Dr. Mona Delahook writes. She has some awesome articles about co-regulation, and you can also just Google her and follow her, and, and she's got some great books as well. Similar to holding space for our children when they're very young, many of our neurodivergent kids will need us to hold space for them or co-regulate with them emotionally when they're even big kids. So many things continue to be hard for them, and we often need to support them emotionally a little longer than we might expect. However, we don't always want to support them so long that we enable them, and they always rely on us to solve their problems and don't gain independence. So that's one of the reasons in my parenting course I dive into helping you figure out that balance for your kid. So supporting and nurturing them, but then knowing when to step back and build their independence. Okay, number three, you may feel like you are never going to find the right educational environment for your child. I'm going to be honest, this one is tough. Every single state, school district, school, and even classrooms within the school support and nurture our kids in different ways. That's a lot of variability. We have so much work to do in helping all of our educators understand the difference between a stress response and an intentional behavior. We also have more work to do in supporting teachers by securing more funding, professional development opportunities, and collaboration with parents. 
Raising and teaching neurodivergent kids is a team sport. We must all work together and solve any problems interfering with our ability to work together because we, if we don't effectively collaborate, our kids are getting caught in the middle with no one leading the way. This is what gets me out of bed every morning is helping all the parents and teachers work together to build better schools and classrooms for our kids. So what's the next right thing for this category? I would say in order for us to learn, we must first be emotionally regulated and feel safe to take risks, make mistakes, and try again. That's true for us and true for our kids. None of us can learn in an environment where we don't feel understood, we feel on alert by the sensory overwhelm around us, or we feel socially isolated. Think about what helps your child feel emotionally regulated, connected to adults, and included in activities. Sometimes flexible environments can be developed through accommodations within an IEP or a 504 plan. Sometimes your child's teacher will be able to make changes within their classroom. My hope is that we begin to think about figuring out what all learners need to succeed, not just those who don't fit the mold of standardized curriculum. A great place to start learning more about supporting all learners is to read more about universal design for learning. Okay, number four. You're worried that your child will never have friends. One of the first concerns for parents of neurodivergent kids is often social. Sometimes neurodivergent kids will have a play interest that doesn't align with their same age peers, or some may be so active that others find it hard to play with them. Others might struggle to communicate with peers, which can get in the way of early play experiences. Whatever the concern, Parents tend to worry that early social concerns will lead to their child never having friends. This is not necessarily true. Many kids come into their own later in their development when they're able to interact with others who have shared interests and they're feeling much more confident the older they get and being comfortable in groups. Another common worry parents and teachers have is about a child who likes to be alone, especially on the playground. I always respond to this concern with the question, but is the child happy? If the child is happily doing their thing, it's very possible that they're just recovering from the hard work of the classroom. Or if they're spending time in nature to process the sensory experiences around them, this just might be something that they need to be doing at that moment. You can't make people socialize who don't want to socialize. Just ask an introvert. I'm only concerned if a child wants to be included and is not able to join in because they don't know how or they're being excluded by a group of peers. Also, if adult is worried that a child will be made fun of for digging holes in the dirt rather than playing soccer, then we solve that problem by coaching the kids doing the teasing, not by changing the child happily digging holes. So what's the next right thing? More times than not, we can protect the mental health of our neurodivergent kids by helping them understand themselves and helping them feel included by those around them. You are on your child's path now. Just follow their lead to find their interests, their people, and their place in the world. It's out there, and you can help them find it. And number five, you might be worried that your child will never be independent. So we don't have a crystal ball. That's why this concern comes up for parents in the first place and why I always recommend trying to stay focused on one school year at a time. For many of us, the truth is that we cannot answer this question until our children get a little bit closer to adolescence. 
Building independence is like putting tiny marbles in a giant jar that takes 20 years to fill up. Each marble is a skill, and you never know when you're going to find the next marble. Just stay present and keep looking. It's also important to remember that starting school at five years old and graduating from high school at 18 years old, those are arbitrary deadlines made up to help organize our education system. There's flexibility in those timeframes, and we need to lean into it. Because when we disregard the developmental timeline of our kids and push them into situations that are too stressful or not nurturing enough, we're missing the mark. So what's the next right thing? Let's stay focused on what our kids are working on today. In my On Your Own Path online course for parents, I'm going to walk you through how to pair your child's interests and strengths with their weaker skills in order to help build their frustration tolerance and foster independence. I know the unknown path of this parenting journey creates anxiety for many parents. I will also say that this unique path is full of hope and surprises. We have to let go of what we thought our plan was for our child. It's not our path, it's their path, and we have the privilege of helping them find their way. This has been Learn with Dr. Emily, the podcast. For more resources, including both parent, teacher, and school resources, visit learnwithdremily.com or read my substack at learnwithdremily.substack.com. Also, we are publishing this podcast weekly, so make sure you're subscribed by pressing the plus, follow, or subscribe button on whatever podcast app you're using right now. This podcast is edited by EarFluence. All information discussed on this podcast is for educational purposes only. If you have immediate concerns about your child, please reach out to a mental health or medical professional. I'm Dr. Emily King, and we will keep learning together next week.